You're listening to Welcome to Iloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. This is a space where we talk about embracing solopreneurship and building intentionally small and intimate businesses. Now, many of us entrepreneurs have grand dreams. We have big visions as to what we can build and how we can change the world. We have visions of what we could or should do and how big we could or should go, right? But what if we don't want to? Like, what if we don't actually want to go big? You know, because let's be honest, in in most cases, it's not always as glamorous as the movies may make it seem, right? Like we've all seen those movies and then we finally see somebody's like crash and burn, right? That's the that's the turning point of those movies. And growing bigger comes with managing more people, bigger cash flows, larger client problems, more liability, you name it. People always say, you know, it doesn't get easier, you just get better and the problems get more difficult. And then also the bigger, you know, your business gets, there's more to manage. And then your role tends to fundamentally change. And so while that may not be exactly the dream for many, like growing really big or growing big, whatever your dream is, is totally a-okay, but it's not the dream for all. So always scaling is not always where everyone wants to go. And some people want to keep it small. And I personally have a theory that COVID, (laughs) I think COVID has like tipped a lot of scales in a lot of ways. And I have a personal theory that we're going to see a lot of business owners start to downsize. Just a theory, just a theory. I I think we're going to see a lot of owners start asking themselves what they really want and what they want as people, not just as owners, but as people, as we've seen the great resignation really start to blow up in all kinds of ways, I think we're going to see people actually pursuing what they really want and not necessarily what they think they should be doing. And so that's where today's guest comes into play. Today's guest is Sam Lee. He is the founder and CEO of Indie Collective. Indie Collective is a private community of top independent workers, freelancers, consultants, coaches, et cetera, who are all looking to build their own practice and would love a community to thrive in together so they don't always have to be flying solo, like truly solo. As a member of Indie Collective, which I am, I can also speak to its game-changing abilities. And I'm so thrilled that Sam has created this space for these group of people because I think it's a really unique thing. And I think it's going to, I mean, it's already playing such a huge role in this space, but I think it's going to only expand. So merging his experience from previous lives at Goldman Sachs, AOL, WeWork, the World Economic Forum, and multiple venture-based initiatives, Sam knows a thing or two about bringing people together in meaningful ways. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to Eloma, Sam. Thank you so much for having me, Kylie. I'm so thrilled that you're here. And I got to tell you, when I first heard of Indie Collective, um, I think it was the spring of 2021, I was like, wow, this is such an interesting concept. And ooh, I'm excited. So so Tam, or Sam, why don't you tell us in your own words, uh, tell us a little bit about Indie Collective, the inspiration behind it, and give us a snapshot of where the program stands today. Yeah, absolutely. So to kind of start with my quick backstory, because I built a platform that I personally needed uh, as an independent consultant, I had, I had always worked, at least for the vast majority of my career, in big company contexts. I was at Goldman Sachs, as you said, in finance, did two consumer internet innings. Both were turnarounds. One of those was AOL. Went into startup land, was at WeWork for four years as their head of growth. So saw that company grow from like 250 million to four and a half billion. 
before we work didn't work. And it was at that moment in 2019 when the IPO didn't happen, at least not on our timeline, that I stepped back from the big companies and from building teams of hundreds of people and overseeing P&Ls to doing my own thing. And I took what had been on the sidelines, my independent consulting and advising, and brought it into the foreground. And I thought that for me, it was going to be a six-month to a year gig, an opportunity um, to really try before you buy, figure out who I really wanted to work with for the long haul, as opposed to take what seemed like the next great shiny opportunity. And, and I, went in, I went into it with that intention. And I'll tell you, about six months in, I was pretty flabbergasted. I was flabbergasted by the fact that, you know, in 20 hours a week, I was making more than I did as a full-time executive. And I was surprised to see that having the diversity of clients and problems to solve was actually a really interesting way to spend my time. So those things got me excited about this independent work swim lane for myself. And as I did more and more research and spoke to more and more people, I've now spoken to some thousand, thousand or so really awesome independence and, and work with a couple hundred through Indie Collective. What I found is that many of us who are seasoned in our careers and who strike out independent or who are growing independent businesses, we ask a lot of the same questions and we, and we find ourselves confronted with a lot of the same challenges. We, we inherently know our craft because we've been doing it for, for sure. decade or decades. And you can always develop in your discipline further, but many of us at that stage of our careers are looking less for the disciplinary deepening and instead looking to learn how we could build the effective business and alongside that, a really balanced life. Because I'll tell you, I've yet to meet a single independent who is just looking to make money. Most of us who are independent are really trying to optimize for three L's. You're living how you'll make money and impact for your business, as well as your lifestyle and loving, how you want to show yep. up in the world and prioritize those people and passion projects that make independent work worthwhile. So Indie Collector was born because I realized that I had a leg up. When I went independent, I had a dozen or so seven or eight figure independent business builders who were friends, who had gone out before me, who had done impressive things while balancing their lives. And I was fortunate to, to be in conversation with them and to be mentored by several of them pretty intensively. And in the first six months, I'll say that I made more than I did as a full-time executive and I did it in 20 hours a week, not because I was excellent at my craft, though I'm okay at it, but instead- <laughs> Oh, the, hu the humility there. <laughs> no, but, but humility, but not, honestly. I'm pretty good at what I do. And I imagine many of your listeners are too. Yeah. But I think the difference makers in those first six months and so many of the difference makers in the years that have followed, I'd attribute to the playbooks that those mentors shared that mm -hmm. provided the distinctions and the two millimeter changes, the things that were not obvious to me because I'd never had to productize myself, brand myself, yeah. think about my go-to-market motion as an independent versus at a big company, put in place the process systems, the machine to be more impactful in less time. So it was those, those kind of building blocks that are not obvious to a practitioner mm -hmm. that really informed the right next steps that I took that led to the rapid results and, and the balanced lifestyle. So Indie Collective yeah. was born because I felt like more people needed access to those resources in a really formal way. For sure. You know, I was just actually having that conversation with somebody the other day about, you know, we talk about people who have become quote unquote, accidental business owners. And typically it's folks such as us and those that we work with, we're very good at our craft. We do the thing. And in that case, you're a practitioner, 
But over time, you also have to take on that responsibility as a business owner if you want that thing to work, right? And I think that that doesn't necessarily come as natural for a lot of people. Sam, you mentioned you had this amazing opportunity to be mentored by some of these folks that taught you a few things that that you got to learn right away. You know, for for the listeners out there, what would be like a couple of those things that just pop up that you're like, wow, this was instrumental. I'm so glad that you know, so-and-so was able to share that with me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd say, you know, when you're trying to build a really meaningful practice in a balanced life, there's, there's a couple of points of leverage. Those are the areas of your business and life that once optimized will deliver that outsized return on your effort, mm-hmm. more income, more impact, more free time. So we teach seven points of leverage and I think certain ones were, were more important to me in the early days. They've all become important as I've been scaling while saving time. The first is really all about designing for independence. If you're an independent, you're striking out, or if you're years into it, yeah. you want to be intentional. And we were just talking about this you know, offline, but spending time periodically. I spend time every quarter revisiting my three L's, my living lifestyle and loving vision and goals, getting very specific about what it is that I'm trying to accomplish big picture, what I'm prioritizing this quarter, this year, and not just thinking about the quantifiables, but also how you want to feel. Yeah. Right. The big, the big quantifiables, the outcomes are really just what do you need to get to in order to feel what it is that you want to feel? So trying to feel those things through the process of doing the work and building the business and doing the life. So that's kind of thing one is really designing intentionally. And we have a whole week on that with an amazing executive coach who, who kind of guides us through a process. We then get into six other points of leverage that are, are, are more tactical and are focused on optimizing pieces of your business from, from productizing. How do you niche down, figure out the right formats of doing your work so that you can stop trading time for money? We get into your brand, we get into your value-based pricing. Our average members typically raise their rates by 25 to 50%. We get into your go-to-market motion, your back office, and your psychology. So those are all pieces, pieces of building, I think, a really effective business that aren't necessarily inherent in the practice that you developed over years, that but when you tap into the right playbook and and pressure test with peers, you can for get sure. A lot yeah. More. And it's just it's such an interesting dichotomy to be able to balance, you know, as a practitioner and and an owner. And I think as you scale as well, you know, oftentimes, at least what I found is you start to do less, typically less of the practitioner and more of the owner. And so if you are choosing to stay small and intimate or be a solopreneur, you do have to find that balance there. And I know like, I mean, you guys have at, at Indy, there's been so many different success stories. You know, how are you starting to see this community really lift itself up within Indie Collective. Mm-hmm. My rallying cry early on. So when I when I do my independent consulting, my my consultancy consultancy is called E Three Ventures. The three E's are energy, empowerment, and employment. So health and wellness, community building, and the future of work. So I primarily work with startups in those three arenas, and I help them with commercial strategy and new product development. So when I do work with those types of early stage companies, I'm typically winning the business, acting as the strategist. So I come in, work with the CEO and leadership team, do the evaluative stage. And then if there's a to-do thereafter, I'll be an advisor, mm-hmm. I'll lead a project, mm-hmm. but I'll bring in people behind me. I'll tap my network and, and build an yeah. A-team, if you will, for, for that company. So they've got team, team members to augment the existing staff. That's kind of the model that I approach. And I found that so many of us, 
that are independent who've come from great companies and have worked in organizational contexts miss that, right? We don't want we don't want this next exciting chapter to be absent of community and of camaraderie and of the great outcomes that, that are a function of having cross-functional groups. So what I've now found having, having done a bunch of these indie collectives and having worked with a couple hundred people is that within these cohorts, immediate relationships are formed. And they're not, they're not just around learning and around accountability, but also around doing business. But 80% of members are trading referrals, collaborating on projects, using each other's services. And many like me are kind of using this, this network to, to build cross-functional teams to tackle bigger projects. So I think you can remain small, quote unquote. You can be a solopreneur, you can have a small studio or a collective or even an agency. But if you're tapping into the right networks and there's, there's a growing number of these networks, you're able to really punch above your weight class and still stay small while tackling really interesting work and doing, doing it in a format that, that elicits the camaraderie. That yeah, I think it, it kind of depends on what the business infrastructure is that you want, right? So if you're looking to scale and you want to build your employee headcount and all that kind of stuff, right? That, that's one thing. But you can do a similar type of work should you choose by just, for lack of a better word, scaling your network, right? And knowing those right people to tap into. And so that that's something I found really interesting with indie. And you know, I think as professionals, we're all always looking to expand our networks, whether whether that's with indie collective or you know a myriad of other networking groups. But it's so powerful. I mean, I know I've had partnerships form from Indie Collective. And I think it's just a matter of, or at least my experience is, it's such a gift to be able to be in groups such as Indie with other people who are equally as invested. You know, like like mm-hmm. finding those high, you know, we talk about at in the Welcome to Loma podcast that this is a podcast for highly ambitious, highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. And I think it's hard to find those groups of people. So when you are a highly ambitious dreamer who wants to get you done, it's a matter of like, okay, well, where are these other clumps, right? Where are these other groups of people and tapping into that? So I think that that's, that's really important. And then, you know, building that network and you, you get to go further faster because you're not just trying to do it totally on your own, on your own. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think, you know, people simply, want to do business in life with people that they know they like and they trust. And trust is, is I think, equal parts logic and emotion, right? People need to know that you can do as you say, that you're credible in your craft, but they also want to build rapport. They want to see the human side and, and both of those things take time. So what I've found now through the Indie Collective experience is that when you've, when you've got a group of people, for us, it's 125 people that we bring together in a cohort. But when you have them for, say, 10 weeks, or in fact, many of them stay for a full year, there's plenty of time to build a depth of relationship and to really understand each other's you know, spikes or strengths so that you can have the rapport, understand what they can credibly do, and then find creative ways to team up. I think so many people, and it's been amplified in COVID because we've been so remote, are just like speed dating. They're speed networking constantly, and there's no depth. There's no depth in the relationships. It's mean you can't have the confidence in the craft or have the rapport there to really know if you can count on somebody that's not on your core team. So I think being in, in com- communities where you're really getting to build the depth of relationship, I think is a differentiator. Yeah. For yeah. And I people. think it's just a matter of, you know, who signs up for that. And those, 
qualifiers. So, you know, as we talk about that, Sam, and as we're talking about this community you've built, uh, and we're also talking about owners actually doing the things that they actually want to do. I mean, you you gave us a little bit of insight as to why you started Indie, but how is Indie Collective and this initiative really filling your cup? Like how how is this bringing your dreams to fruition? Yeah, 100%. I think one of the things that I loved most about working in companies is that I got to hire great talent and then support great talent in developing in their careers and in in kind of realizing their potential as employees, right, in their craft. So I think this this future of work that we're now in is increasingly remote and all of us are increasingly remote or hybrid. It's also also increasingly independent. 33% of the US workforce today is doing independent work. Half of those people are full-time and so many of them, which people don't realize, um, so many of them are highly skilled people like you and I, right? They've, they've been doing their craft for many years and it's professional services, digital, et cetera. So as we become more remote and hybrid, as we increasingly become more independent, we need to find the same good stuff that we, that we were offered by the companies that we used to work for in those four walls, with those, you know, mentors and continuing education and opportunities to learn and grow. So I think what I loved about those companies is, is what I've now been trying to create for myself and for other people through Indie Collective. So I think from a mission perspective, that really excites me because I think, I think we still fundamentally want a lot of the same things, but with the changing landscape for work and life, we have to have to look for those things, the community, the mentorship, the education, and the great work in different places. So I think that from mission perspective really excites me. And then at its core, I'd say I'm every quarter revisiting my three L's, right? What I want to accomplish in my living, my business, and my lifestyle, my loving. And I think that's that's a really fun process to help other people to reflect on too. So while I'm not, you know, closely mentoring every single member, I get to meet and get to know every single member because it is a curated group of people and getting to help people to pressure test. And in some cases, 10 years into their businesses, make left and right turns, right? Get off onto a different track is, is really exciting stuff because a lot of people just don't have the time in the fast pace of delivering what they're doing to actually step back. So we help we help our members to make themselves a client for 10 weeks. doesn't mean they stop doing their work, right? Because there's still delivering the client work, they're still building their businesses, but but they are thoughtfully making themselves a client and using our playbooks to include vision and goal setting to get really clear and then tune up those points of leverage, those, those key aspects of their businesses mm-hmm. that will help them get further. You faster. know, I think that's an interesting concept for business owners to think of themselves as clients. And, you know, as somebody with a marketing background, I've always marketed whatever company I used to work for or my own companies. And I think it's an interesting concept to think of yourself as your own client because so often, right? We always hear, what is the the saying? Like a cobbler's son has no shoes. You know, so often we don't do the thing that we do for other people, for ourselves. And, and it's such a, an instrumental exercise to go through on a regular basis to remember Hey, as an owner, I have to check in with myself, no matter how big or small you are, to make sure that you're you're realigned. You know, Sam, as uh, as we talk about Indian and where you've come from, you know, tell me a little bit about where you are looking to go. Like, what's what's the vision here? 
I'm excited because I, I have no idea what you're about to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think my vision is to is, is is kind of in keeping with with your podcast is in some ways to stay small so that we're still very thoughtful um, and able to provide the level of curation and and the targeted education mentors and community for people who really want to access that while you know, reaching more people through, through new avenues that we're kind of unlocking quarter after quarter. So the, the core program is going to remain fairly curated. And, you know, as we grow, we want to grow to maybe 500 people a year. So that's definitely a step up from where we are. We currently have cohorts of, you know, 125 or so people. So that would maybe be taking it to 200 or so people at some point um, to, to do more of 500, like 500 people a year. So growing, growing the size of our cohorts, because I think, you know, we, we with the scalable model can serve that number of people and the value of having a peer group that's curated um, is as important as the education and mentorship because 80% of members do business together. So that's kind of thing one is, is still being intentional and small, but, um, but gradually growing this cohort-based program. I'd say the other the other piece that I do have an ambitious or, uh, ambition around is to really help to inspire, equip, and empower a much larger audience that sees this path as potential or is on this path and looking for a boost of inspiration and, and practical help. So, you know, in service of that, last year we launched our podcast, um, The Modern Independent, um, and that's that's been a really fun exercise. Launched it with you know our, our my co-host Jan Almasi is an alumni of Indie Collective. He's been through the program three times. He's really exponentially grown his marketing agency, and is now doing some coaching too. So so he's he's been a really fun collaborator. So he he kind of interviews our alumni and helps helps to tease out their stories, why they went independent, and share some of their points of leverage. I interview um, different speakers that we have come on who are kind of sharing insight and playbook around their seven and eight figure playbook. So, so that's been a fun endeavor and it's just a free way to, to get the word out about, about what's possible. I think you can, what, what you can see, you can believe what you believe you can become. So that, that's been a lot of fun. We're also starting to, to produce free content beyond the blog We're we're doing free courses and things that again, just make what we have available to a broader audience so that the people that need the inspiration or need the practical toolkits can get, get them to. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I mean, what a, what a great set of tools for the, for the solopreneur or intimate business owner, Sam, what advice would you share with owners who owners or individuals who are either thinking of downsizing and keeping like a small business or, or maybe on that, like pivoting point of going out on their own, what advice would you share with them? Yeah. I think one of the things that so many people fear is niching down Mm -hmm. is getting really specific (laughs) about who it is that you want to serve and how it is that you want to serve them. And I know Kylie, you and I did a lot of work on this. No, right. Um, That's scary little and saying no, the word. Yep. There's only two words that you need to know and know well for yourself in the English language. It's it's yes and no. <laughs> it's not so uh, basic and, emphatic, and fundamental. Yes That's ridiculous. No, right? It's just like let's keep it, let's keep it black and white, no gray area. Like what what is a strong yes and what is yeah. a strong no? And we always start, right? We we kind of in the early days of an indie collective cohort, we do vision and goal setting. You're doing it alongside 125 amazing people. So you're quickly identifying peers who can help you, who can be sounding board, who can be an accountability because we're, we're helping you find those people. 
but then we get into productization and productization, which is, which is a, a real effort in stopping this trade of time oh, for money, which absolutely. is a pernicious trade independence and small business owners make, it starts with niching down. Um, so I'd say to anyone that's listening, don't, don't be afraid of niching down. In fact, so much of the power um, and the potential of your impact and income will flow from that. Uh, because when you can ID that client you really want to serve in, in the world, you're not just going to have more energy <laughs> for the work that you're doing, uh, but you're going to be able to design the processes, the playbooks, the teams, the, the things that will help you to take the repetitive, the redundant things out of your work, streamline those things so you are achieving more impact and income for every hour mm-hmm. you spend. So I'd say niching down is just such a powerful thing. And for those who are listening, who've not taken some time to audit their client base, audit the projects that they've done, highly recommend it. We have a tool that we use to help people to methodically revisit the work that they've done so that they can think about where they want to be moving. And, you know, one of our members, uh, Travis Corgan, who's going to be speaking to the cohort tonight or spring cohort tonight, he's a product leader. He's a fractional product officer and, um, you know, he shares with his, with, with his fellow members that as a product person, when he made himself the client, when he went through Indie Collective the first time a year and a half ago, he realized that he was taking a scattergun to what it was that he was doing, who he was serving, how he was doing it. And in doing this simple audit, he was able to identify the right type of client. He was able to identify two or three ways of doing the work that now have helped him to you know, in eight hours, make the same as what he used to make in 80. Wow. Right? Cause he's found the highest, <laughs> the highest value thing. So what, what Travis does, you can look him up. His company is heavy metal. Um, this, this thing that he is making in eight hours, the same he used to make in 80 is this really powerful, um, product road mapping exercise that he leads series A startups through. He brings together the executive team. He helps them to take all the ideas to really find the core of what they need to be doing so they can launch into this next phase after raising that round. Um, and that's because so he's specific. Clear about it. That's mm-hmm. so specific. And guess that's what? There's an abundance of clients that need that. And he's able to, with that clarity of who he wants to serve, he's able to ID those people through venture capital firms, through TechCrunch and Crunchbase. He's able to do the outreach, both through referral and on his own. And he's built the process, the artifacts, the things that have reduced the time yeah. and effort required Create the process to something that's manageable and yeah. fun. So that's, that's just one example, but that's what so many of our members do. They, they really think through, where do I really want to be working? Who's the client? What are the formats? And then how do I build the kit around it? The process, the playbooks, the value-based pricing. That's another really important one that will serve me and my clients yeah. even better. Yeah. You know, I, ugh, gosh, a hundred percent. Um, I've been on this huge kick lately. Um, and I mean, it's not really a kick. I think it's really fundamental to my beliefs moving forward is you have to have some alignment between you as the owner and the business. Otherwise there's just this unnecessary and, you know, undeniable tension. And so I think when you can get really specific on that niche, Obviously, not only does the business end up just serving you better, but you as a human, I think, feel more whole because there's so much alignment there. It's just it's it's this it's magical how this kind of snowballs. So, Sam, I know that you know you've you've been working in this space for a while. What advice would 
you give to younger Sam in terms of business mm-hmm. and entrepreneurship? So I was recently talking to my high school, the soon to be graduating class of, okay. of, of Potomac School. Um, and it was an alumni panel and it was on the future of work. Um, so it was an interesting group of speakers. I was, I think, one of four or five. The thing that I observed and shared with, with the students was that, you know, if I look at my grandparents versus my parents versus myself, the way that we've been doing our work over those generations has, has changed so dramatically. My grandparents, you know, held a job for the majority of their career. My parents worked at a couple of companies, but you could count them on less than a hand. You know, I had worked at five companies full time um, in the first 17 years of my career. And as, as an independent, I've worked with, you know, 10 clients um, in meaningful ways. So I went from five full time to 10 clients as a solo practitioner with a collective, you know, a group of people around me. So, so that, that's a big shift that, that the future of work means that, that we're typically not going to be in one company or with one client for the long haul, but rather having a more diverse set of experiences. And I think that can be really fun and fulfilling. So I say that's, that's thing one. I'd say, you know, big aha for me, because I've always been somebody that's, that's been a goal setter, um, is that these three L's really matter. And you, you've just said it for yourself, knowing, knowing what you want for your business, but also your lifestyle and loving um, is incredibly important. And when you can find the connective thread across them um, and you feel more aligned, it makes for more success and more fulfillment. So I'd say those are, those are two things. Yeah, for sure. And you kind of just flipped into the next question I have for you, which is what advice would say your 80 year old self give to have more fun, honestly, have more fun. So I think, I think, um, what is life really about? Right. And I think that's, that's a, that's a question that you think more and more about as you get older. I think life is, is not supposed to be hard. (laughs) Life isn't meant to be a feeling of like constant efforting. I think if, if you are constantly efforting, you might not be doing the right thing or spending your time in the right ways. And I think even in work, there should be fun. I think knowing, and and that that's kind of my equation, right? It doesn't have to be everybody's, everyone's definition of what work should be or what life should be. But I think knowing what you want to feel and then building a vision, a set of goals, and even like a day-to-day life, lifestyle, loving, and, and living that serve what it is that you want to feel is what it's all about. So fun is kind of one of my values. <laughs> and one of the things that I'm trying to experience regularly, I also want to experience peace, love, and joy, right? Those are other ones. So thinking about, <laughs> yeah. you know, are these big goals that I'm setting for myself, are, are they going to have me feeling those things or are they going to be superficial? Like, am I trying to, you know, is it about net worth or is it about, you know, something that, that somebody else might want for me that isn't, isn't really important, at least not to me. So I think thinking, thinking from that lens, both about where you're headed big picture. And then like tactically, like day to day, am I doing things and am I appreciating what I'm doing such that I'm experiencing those feelings, right? Am I having fun? Am I feeling peace, love, and joy? Like, is, is that what my experience, the journey feels like? Um, and if the answer is yes, I think I'm on the right path. If the answer is consistently no, then I'm probably overly efforting. I'm not on this, I'm not doing the right things, right? There's something out of sync. 
So I think the feeling component is something that's only just dawned on me really in the last 12 months, because it's not what we're taught. <laughs> we think about smart goals and visioning. No. It's not like what you want to feel. It's about what you want to do and have and become. But I think the feeling, the feeling piece is, is so important to actually having a, an experience that you want. I, I agree. You know, um, actually in this framework that I've uh, built out, I have a similar component and I call it the state of being of just like, how do you want to be? How do you want to be? You know, uh, 2021 was a very stressful year for me. And so right now, and even as I'm like wedding planning right now, I'm like, calm, no stress. <laughs> like everyone's like, how's wedding planning going? I'm like, it's great. I've delegated all of it, you know, like, cause I'm just like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> but I think it's so important to take the time to think about how do you want to be? How do you want to be? How do you want to show up? So yeah, there's, there's so much there. Sam, as we wrap up here, you know, you, you've, you're so knee deep in entrepreneurship yourself. You have this breadth of experience working with all these other people, building their own businesses. What would you say is your greatest insight or discovery about life and entrepreneurship? You know, I think I think this is this is certainly true of my experience in entrepreneurship and I think it was honestly true of my of my life at big companies. I think life and work come in ebbs and flows. You know, this notion of balance I think is 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 kind of misguided you know, achieving balance. I don't think that's even possible. Like, what does that mean? It's more about appreciating the ebbs and flows, the inflows and the outflows of opportunity across dimensions of life, living lifestyle and loving and appreciating this moment and knowing that if it does feel a bit over-indexed in one part of your life, perhaps like you're really busting your butt and, and trying to grow a business, and you're spending less of your energy and, and time and your lifestyle and loving, knowing that there, there, there too will come a time for those things, right? And, and, and if those are priorities, yeah, making proactive effort to, to shift more of your time into those things, right? But, but life comes in ebbs and flows. And, and I think rather than trying to find balance, <laughs> appreciating the moment that you're in, and, yeah. and if you're finding that you're in the moment too long, being proactive, right? You can take you can take steps to deprioritize something or to prioritize something put, put differently. Yeah, no, I I love that, and I, you know I, this topic of work life balance comes up all the time amongst entrepreneurs because like what is that, right? But I really love that visual for me as you were saying that this ebbs and flows. It just feels kind of like a uh, like a sound wave a little bit. And I think that's really important to keep in mind because we can think of time in so many different ways, right? We can think of it in terms of minutes, days, hours, et cetera, but it's also chunks of time. And so, you know, as you build a company, no matter how big or small, some of that time is more taxing than other times. And so really making that plan for yourself as a human and for your business and making sure that you've got some type of alignment there that allows for those ebbs and flows where you need them. I think that's, that's a great, that's a great visual. Yeah. That's, and that's I think, I think for me. us, like independents, that. entrepreneurs that are, are driven people that have been, you know, had the big vision, had the clear goals. Um, when, when the ebbs and flows happen and perhaps when, when things are more under control and you've figured out the process, you've got the playbook, you got some teams. I, I've seen 
that be the crisis moment for, for some of the folks that I work with because they don't know what to do with themselves, right? They've really not, they've, they've not <laughs> taken the time to be, to be thoughtful in what it is that they want out of their life and out of their relationships, out of their passion projects, because they've not had the time to think about it. Um, so I think knowing holistically and spending some time, make yourself the client, right? Make your, make your business and your life the client for some period so that you have that vision. And, and as that time presents, and as you have, uh, you know, as, as you, as you're freed up, you know what you want to be pursuing. Um, and conversely, you know, if, if you're kind of more lifestyle loving focused today, um, having a vision for what you want to build business wise so that you can be pressing into that space when the time is right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's my big takeaway here is make yourself the client, find opportunities to make yourself the client. Um, well, Sam, thank you so much for, uh, sharing some of your time with us today. Uh, if there's any, you know, if anybody listening wants to reach out, learn more about you or Indie Collective, what's the best way Absolutely. to get in Well, you can certainly you. find me on LinkedIn, uh, Sam Lee on LinkedIn. Um, you can also find more on Indie Collective at indiecollective.co. It's I-N-B-E collective.co. Um, and if you want to follow along on our podcast, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts at The Modern Independent. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. Uh, we'll make sure that all that contact information is shared in the notes. And as always, it's been Thank such you for a pleasure. Me, Kelly. Thank you. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.